podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. chapter 2 verse 1 through 13 this morning and I've titled this uh, this message The Promise The I've never had such a, such a rapturous applause, it's incredible uh, The Promise if you can cast your minds back to a couple of weeks ago I feel like the timing is so good for that, will that carry on all the way through? <laughs> I reckon I can make it work. If you can cast your mind back just a few weeks ago, Kev spoke last week. We're grateful for that. Amen. He's a good lad. I had a listen. Marked him out of 10. Sent the score through. He still hasn't replied. (laughs) No, he was very good. It was nice that uh, I'm grateful that he was able to step in. God is good, eh? We like it. So we had a look at Acts chapter 1 and we saw faith and obedience on display, if you remember, from Jesus' followers, the disciples or the apostles and then the others that were with him. The number, the word says in chapter 1 of Acts, somewhere in the region of 120. Jesus' followers, even after such an emotional roller coaster that they'd experienced over the last few weeks, You remember leading up to Easter, Easter itself, and then what came after, they still hung on Jesus' instructions, which said we have to stay. So they trusted to stay together in Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. They had to trust that God has it in control. If I was to say, put your hand up, if you are absolutely 100% all of the time confident, so much so that you don't doubt in any way, shape or form, not even the niggle, that God's got it in complete control. If I had a show of hands, there'd be the odd one that believes they're holier than everybody else. I'm joking. (laughs) The reality is that we... I believe that God has it all in control. But I do sometimes wonder, like God now would help. I need the answer now. I need what you've promised now. And he said to these, just wait. In the midst of a hostile situation, after they've witnessed the Messiah crucified, They've seen him raised back to life, but the hostility in all of that. And Jesus said, just wait. And you're like, okay, we'll wait. But how long for? Who wants to know how long? I always want to know how long. We're talking an hour? (laughs) Two hours? Weeks? Wow. (laughs) Faith and obedience sound great on paper, but the reality in our day-to-day is often far more difficult. They're in Jerusalem in a hostile environment. Remember that. But Jesus said, wait. Remember too then that they didn't actually know what they were waiting for. Now the promised Holy Spirit sounds really simple to you and me as we've received the Holy Spirit, as we put our faith and our trust in Christ. We know the tangible 
nature of what the Holy Spirit means, what it looks like in a Christian's life. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit, God willing, hey? Hmm. No, always the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we know what it looks like. We know what the Spirit can do. How it can change a person. But they were unaware. They didn't know what they were waiting for. What are we, what are we to expect? Thunderbolts and lightning? Careful. Tongues of fire? Well, I didn't expect it. <laughs> you see, the reality is they didn't know what they were waiting for. They'd read and heard about the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, as we see in the Old Testament, coming on to a person for a short time. But Jesus has said, you'll receive the promised Holy Spirit as a helper, as a guarantee, but as a helper for all who believe. So then here in Acts chapter 2, today is the day, the day of Pentecost, which means 50th day, 50 days after Passover. This is a Jewish holiday and you can find more in Deuteronomy 16, you can have a look in Exodus 23. Something amazing, though, is about to happen. And the church that we know, as they see it, as 120 people or so, is about to explode. The church is about to go beyond, firstly, what they could have ever thought or imagined. So let's have a read of Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. And let's see what the word's got to say. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. That is an underused word, isn't it? Bewilderment. They came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, or bewildered in brackets, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Are you ready for this? Deep breath. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, never heard of them. Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from, oh that's a tough one, eh? Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed. Another great word. Amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we ask that as we have read your word now, Father, that you would just speak to us through it, that you'd speak through me. Father, that we would be blessed this morning as we come under the sound of your wonderful and perfect word. Father, as your gospel is preached, Father, that lives might be changed. We just pray, Lord God, that you will bless us now. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, church, the first thing that strikes me here is that verse 1, when compared to John chapter 20, that Jesus appeared to his disciples in John chapter 20, and there was, um, well, there was one missing. Do you remember that? I'm not talking about Judas. I'm on about Thomas. He was elsewhere. I, don't, I mean, what would you do? Where would you go? Seriously, now is not the time to go and fetch the Amazon parcel. It's just not appropriate, Thomas. Stick around. Just 10 minutes, man. But no, off he went. And he missed it. He missed Jesus appearing to the disciples. But what strikes me here in this moment, when the day of Pentecost came, they were exactly where and doing what Jesus had asked them to do. Isn't that how we want the Lord to find us? Okay, nothing. Isn't that, isn't that how we want the Lord to find us? Where we're meant to be, doing what we're meant to do. Amen? Surely that is the desire of our hearts and our minds. Lord, I want you to find me in the right place doing the right thing. Because I don't know about you, but I can often be in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Again, you could be holier than me. I'm not sure. But the reality is, as human beings, that we don't always get things right. But this is an example here in this moment where the early church, just those 120 believers, were doing exactly what they were asked to do. And they were in the right place for exactly the right time. And that strikes me as something which gives us a reality check to say that the disciples, they learned their lesson. You bet Thomas was there. Listen, he would have been the one that said, hey, I've been here before, <laughs> and also not here. The reality is, Thomas would have been the advocate to say, for goodness sake, do not go anywhere. Do not, don't. The shopping can wait. Let the dinner burn. There's a few of you there, eye twitching. <laughs> I put a nut roast in. Been a nightmare. Nobody likes a burnt nut roast, do they? <laughs> Terrible. But they were doing what God had asked them to do, what Jesus had said, this is where I want you to be. And Thomas would have just been the one, I am certain, because I can imagine the conversations. And I'm sure you can as well. Please don't go anywhere. I have made that mistake. And listen, Jesus was gracious enough to show himself to me. But listen, we're meant to be here. So let's be here. Don't go. Don't leave now. Let's do what he said. Now has got to be the time. There are 120, as we've said, with the apostles as they were waiting together. In verse 2 and 3 then, suddenly. Suddenly. <laughs> Life has no meaning. Anyway, I'll move on. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were there for the moment. Suddenly, there was no warning. 
It was be where you're meant to be and do what you're meant to be doing. And suddenly, the promised Holy Spirit arrives and immediately gives them all, men and women, the tools to enable them to start building the early church as messengers of Christ. Joel speaks of this, if you have a look just over the page a little bit, to verse 17, Peter references it, as we'll see God willing next week, quotes from him in the last days, verse 17, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So the reality is that all of those that were there, of the 120 or so, received the Holy Spirit. And God is about to do something amazing through ordinary people. That fills me with hope, doesn't it you? That God can use ordinary people like me, alright? I won't go any further. He can use ordinary people like us. To do incredible things. Now then they can speak in tongues. And this is from the Greek word glossa. Which translates as languages. We can immediately see that on display as the people outside can hear their own language being spoken. There's a Jewish festival happening remember. So Jerusalem is filled with travellers. Jews from far and wide. The list is extensive, as I'm sure you remember, even as far as Rome. As you see in verse 9 through 11. And this, at this moment, is a language that is able, uh, enabling those who have come from all of these places. A practical tool given in order for the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, to spread extremely quickly and that is what God can do but also church it is a reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel do you remember when they were trying to build a tower to get to God and God said that ain't going to happen that is not how you're going to get to me and he dispersed the people because he mixed up the languages different languages and the people were dispersed because they had no idea what the other was saying. So they grouped together in their own language. And that was a moment where they thought, this is how we get to God. And God said, no, that is not how you're going to get to me. And this then, in this moment, is a complete reversal of all that has happened. You see that in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. God's dispersal of a wicked and corrupt people he does that through language. But now, the gospel then, the good news about Jesus Christ, is uniting all people and all languages. That's what God does. God says, this is how the good news about my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's how people are going to unite. Under the good news, the great news of the gospel. That there is a God who loves us. There is a saviour who was willing to take our place on the cross. There is a saviour who came and defeated sin and death for you and me. That's good news. That I can't work my way to heaven. God has already made a way through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross. 
Church, that is the gospel. That sinners like you and me are able to come before a holy God because of Christ. Amen? Amen. And here in this moment, we see that God's salvation is now able to bring a world together to form a new people of God. And it's called the church. And we have such a responsibility, don't we, to show people love. To show people the message of the cross. To show people the goodness and the love that God has for you and for me. That agape love. That unconditional love. That God says, I love you enough to give my best for you. And as we live our life for Christ, the outflowing of that is the fruit of the Spirit that I've already mentioned. It's that we show people love and kindness. That we care for people. That we want the best for people. That we feed people and clothe people. That as a church we group together in order that as a, a body of Christ, that we're able to reach people for him. Amen? That is our responsibility. It's a God-given gift. God has blessed you and I with this wondrous news. The Holy Spirit then, in this moment, has arrived. First of all, to seal our inheritance, our deposit, a guarantee of our salvation. And you can have a look at that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. But also then to help and to guide and to comfort believers in order for us to live for God day to day. So that we can be found in the same position that these believers were found. Where I'm meant to be, doing what I'm meant to do. Church, if that doesn't give an echo of what's to come as the Lord returns, I don't know what does. Lord, I want to be in a position that if Jesus comes back today, that I'm doing and saying what I'm meant to do and say, yeah. and I'm where I'm meant to be. Amen? Yeah. You know, that should be the desire of our hearts. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, we're ready. We want to reach people for Christ, but Lord, if it's today, then I'm ready. And church, this is the desire, God willing, of our hearts. Jesus' followers then, in this moment, they aren't physically in this sense now as they move forward and will, God willing, go into the rest of chapter 2 next week. They aren't physically with Jesus as they knew and as they, they understood I want to walk with him and I want to talk with him. That's the goal, isn't it? And they knew the physical nature of that. They walked and they talked with Jesus. They followed, they listened, they served along with Jesus. But God hasn't left them on their own. He hasn't left us on our own. Jesus said, go and wait. And the promised Holy Spirit will come to enable you to go and do what we've done together. I'm not leaving you. It's just a different form. The Holy Spirit then has come. God is three persons in one, Father, Son and Spirit. And now we get to experience the Holy Spirit as his church and its power as we follow Jesus and we share the gospel, the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. God has not left us on our own. That is worth celebrating. God has not left us on our own. He hasn't said, now then, it's up to you. He sent help at every single turn. 
He sent guidance at every single crossroads. And he sent a comforter for every difficult situation. We've seen love in action at the cross, haven't we? We know it, we've understood it. Love in action. But also the fatherly love that God has for us. As a father would teach his child, would walk with his child, would say, this is how to do it. This is the next steps. This is what God is doing for you and me. He's holding our hand. He's right with us every moment of every single day. God is right there with us, helping us to live for him. How wonderful is that? He's not said, live for me. Go on. He said, live for me and I'll show you how to. And I'll be with you for every single moment. What a God we serve, eh? That church is love. Love in action. And that's the Holy Spirit as it works within our lives. The apostles and the followers were in the moments for the time that they were waiting. They were stuck inside. They were fearing for their lives and waiting for God to do what he said he would do. The good news this morning, church, is God delivered. Hey. God delivered on his promise. And now they're about to show in real evidence what Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. When he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. We're about to see that in the most tangible way. To see that God is able to do the impossible through ordinary people like us. This is what God does. And church, let me just say it one more time. God delivered on his promise and he always will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just want to thank you for your word this morning. Father, for its encouragement. Father, for its blessing to us. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just help your word to settle on hearts. Father, that we know that as we put our faith and our trust in you, that we've received the Holy Spirit. And Father, that the Holy Spirit would bring us comfort and guidance and instruction for the next steps. We just thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to not leave us on our own. Father, we think about all that you've done for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we just stand amazed. And we thank you, Father God, that you love us this much. Bless us, Father God, as we continue in our worship now together as your church. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.